Max Richter may prefer snores over applause for his newest composition, Sleep. Scored for piano, strings, electronics, and vocals, Richter describes Sleep as an eight-hour-long lullaby written to intentionally put the listener to sleep, a manifesto for a slower pace of existence. Richter explains the neuroscience behind sleeping, how he came up with this unique idea, and also the compositional and logistical challenges he faced. I feel like with the duration of the piece, it's not some sort of record attempt. I mean, it's just it's the length it is because that's the length approximately that we're supposed to sleep. It's functional music in the sort of really classical sense. It has a function, and the function is that it accompanies a night's sleep. It isn't really anything beyond that. I mean, I do see the connection to the durational movement in the fine arts. And there's been a sort of resurgence of this work, which obviously has its roots in the early 60s. Someone like Marina Abramovich, for example, with the emphasis on long spans of time and relatively small groups of material to sort of focus on during that period. It's classic minimalism, really. Sleep, in its entirety, is eight hours long and is meant to be played while you're tucked in bed. However, for those who prefer it, Richter also released a one-hour adaptation of his work. He says that the short version is meant to be listened to, while the long one is meant to be heard while sleeping. Richter elaborates on the huge difference between listening and hearing music. I wanted to try and explore the sleep state as a place for music to happen. In a way, it's an experiment to try and see how music and consciousness could interact in this different space. We're all very used to listening intentionally, and that's a very sort of analytical state. But there's another state, and that's to do more with inhabiting a landscape. And that's what this eight-hour piece is. It's a landscape to sort of voyage through while sleeping. And I would say the difference really is one between listening and hearing. And for me, the eight-hour piece is about hearing. Richter's goal with sleep was to write music that would enhance and complement a person's sleep process. He talks to us about his collaboration with the American neuroscientist David Eagleman and some interesting facts about how the brain functions during sleep. My sort of entry point to this material was really musical, imaginative one, you might say. But I wanted to just reflect a little bit on the neuroscience of sleep, just in case I ended up writing something inadvertently which was disastrous for the sleep process, which I didn't want to do. So I spoke with David Eagleman, who I've worked with before on an opera of mine, or in fact an opera of his, I should say. It's uh, his book, after all. (laughs) But, yeah, so we consulted a little bit on what was going on in the brain at various parts of sleep. And it turns out that it's actually quite a good moment to be doing this because neuroscience has unpicked the sleeping mind quite a bit over the last two or three years. And one thing which particularly struck me was this area of sleep which comes around roughly every 90 minutes overnight called slow-wave sleep. And this is a sort of moment where all the neuronal activity in the brain goes into phase. So you get this singular sort of slow wave, roughly 10 hertz or so. And I found this fascinating because mostly when the brain is sleeping, there's just a jumble of electromagnetic static, really. And that's one of the things that causes dreaming and all of this. It's just a sort of a a data dump of just messy noise coming out of the brain. And then once in a while, everything just goes into this phase pattern. And it turns out that this bit of sleeping is where we consolidate learning and memory and do all sorts of structuring activities and all these good things. And these are all the good things that 
give rise to the phrase, well, I need to sleep on that. For this work, Richter wrote for a fairly small ensemble of prepared piano, chamber organ, string quintet, two sopranos, and synthesizer. He explains to us why he chose this instrumentation and how these choices alleviated some potential logistical challenges. Prepared piano is the sort of central sound, and I say prepared, I mean it's minimally prepared, it's a felt piano, so it has a very dark sound, has a sort of extra layer of felt between the hammers and strings. And then we have a, a little chamber organ, and next thing is a various sorts of synthesizer and computers, which were mostly busy doing sort of very low frequency things. So it's, it's quite reduced from that side, and then the rest of the ensemble is a string quintet and two sopranos. So it's quite a neat and tidy band, and sort of has to be, actually, because from a performance perspective, the more folk you have, the more complex a bit of logistics the whole thing becomes. Richter and the musicians were able to create a very specific atmosphere on this recording. We can only imagine that a long, rather slow-moving piece like Sleep must have been a difficult process to record in the studio. Richter discusses some of the studio challenges that he faced and which aspects were the most time-consuming. The logistics of this project have actually, in a way, I mean, perhaps I was naive going into it, but it's been very challenging. All the way from sort of, you know, when you do a take of something normally in the studio, it'll take 5, 10, 15 minutes or something. And then, oh, let's listen to that take. And that takes another 15 minutes maximum. And in this case, of course, you know, you'll do a take and it'll be an hour. And then if you want to listen to the take, then that takes another hour. So the days just go by, you know, with sort of uh, doing sort of seemingly quite small tasks. But because the object's so big, everything just gets really stretched out. And it's a bit like that sort of slow food movement. It's a sort of slow record production movement. Sleep had its world premiere in Berlin on September 27, 2015, from midnight to 8 a.m., it also broke the record for the longest live broadcast of a single piece of music in BBC Radio 3's history. For the performance, a couple of hundred beds were set up to accommodate the audience while the band played in the center. Richter explains how he prepared for this premiere. What I've done is I've structured it in such a way that people do get breaks individually. So not everyone is on the whole time. So it's actually just one to a chair, which is, I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to manage it, but it's actually fine. You just do one to a chair. Except me. <laughs> I have to play the whole time. <laughs> That's my own fault, though. I'm going to sleep a lot beforehand and try to get uh, plenty of rest, basically. Throughout his career, Richter has been influenced by various genres, from post-minimalism to Bach to electronica to post-rock and much more. The composer had some very amusing childhood anecdotes that he shared with us, two of which include how he realized his love of Stravinsky and Philip Glass. Two sort of in my own sort of personal history... First of all is, as a kid, being taken to Fantasia and hearing the spring rounds from Rite of Spring in the dinosaur sequence. And I was about six or something. And I was so freaked out and blown away. I basically sort of had a tantrum and forced my mother to take me back to the next show so I could see this incredible music again. And as a kid, I probably hadn't heard anything later than sort of Schubert at that point. So it really blew my mind. I still love Stravinsky. I mean, he's such a brilliant composer. So that's one. And the second one, actually, does involve Philip Glass. It's happened a bit later when I was around about 12. I was sort of practicing the piano and stuff as a kid, and we had a milkman who used to deliver the milk in the morning. And in the afternoons, he'd come back and be paid once a week or something, hear me practicing. 
he decided to take me on as a project. At that time, being a milkman was one of those jobs you could do if you were secretly a novelist or a painter or a composer. And this guy was. He was into music. He was sort of collecting all these sort of early point recordings of Philip Glass on vinyl, which nobody knew about in the UK, and certainly I as a 12-year-old wouldn't know. So he would deliver the milk and the latest Philip Glass on vinyl in the morning. So I heard music contrary motion and music of 12 parts, music changing parts, and this 12-year-old kid who knew nothing. So there I would sit for hours on end, sort of going through this material, and it really did blow my mind. In the middle of the 20th century, many composers started to challenge previous forms that classical music had been confined to. By throwing out the rule book, many composers began writing in a simpler, more stripped-down way, and thus, minimalism was born. Richter describes this musical form and why it appeals to him. One of the things about minimalism is it's, it is embedded in the tonal system. And I think the, the tonal system itself, it grows out of physics. It's not an opinion. It just is like that. And therefore, it's a sort of outgrowth of the harmonic series. So for me, it's very persuasive as a way of structuring a language because we inhabit the same physical universe that gave rise to the harmonic series and the tonal system. So I don't need to ask questions about it. I very much appreciate, of course, atonal music and all sorts of other musics. But for me, one of the persuasive things about classical minimalism is its enlargement and refinement of what's possible with internal music. And it's a fascinating thing. Sleep is a unique project meant to take over your senses. Richter highlights how information overload is something we all deal with in our lives and how this music comes into the picture to change that. This is really to do with our data universe, the universe of information we live in. I have a feeling, really, and this has really exploded over the last few years, and we have a sort of very one-dimensional engagement with information just because there's so much of it. You know, we're bombarded, and it means that we can't really give our attention to things properly. So I see this eight-hour piece, one of the other ways of thinking about it is like a sort of giant pause button. You're engaging with one object for eight hours. Richter says he's perpetually curious about performance conventions in classical music, and lately, rigid rules dictate how and what music we can appreciate. With his new composition, Sleep, Richter has once again challenged the traditional way that people engage with music. We, like many others, look forward to the next groundbreaking idea he comes up with next. For Crossover Media, this is Amanda Bloom.